Hey everyone, uh, welcome to the Human Pod. I'm joined by my friend and co-host Amit. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I think usually uh, our introductions are such that uh, we do have like a lot of million-dollar sponsorships, but we have rejected all of them. <laughs> we want to keep it like actually a joke, a joke. We are more open to like uh, sponsorships. Okay, okay. That's so me, Amit from uh, Dubai. So, hi. Okay, so today is a special day for Human Pod because we are joined by two, not one, two UX superstars from both sides of the globe. One is Sonia Sedarsan. Is that how how I pronounce? Is that is that correct correct pronunciation? Sonia. Sonia Sedarsan. Almost correct. <laughs> so she's the principal product design Almost for Toko Tokopedia, and all the way from Indonesia. So uh, for some who, of you who don't know what Tokopedia is, Tokopedia is one of the largest e-commerce websites in Indonesia. It has, um, okay, I've been pra- practicing this, 65 million, uh, 950,400 average monthly visits securing 25% of the total market share. So yes, welcome Sonia. And all, um, all the way from the other side of the hemisphere, the big apple, New York, you have Jessica Chan, the experienced design director of RGA New York. RGA is one of the most awarded agencies in the world and has conceived one of the most innovative and the best UX solutions in the world. So how are you guys? And Sonia, apa kabar? Well, you speak Indonesian, oh, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So yes, um, uh, so everybody's good. So uh, to start the context, uh, Um, again, this is based uh, on, you know, Jessica, a podcast. Uh, again, this is something that I would like to start from the Don Norman. I, I guess everybody's have already read Don Norman. So he said, two of the most important characteristics of good design are discoverability and understanding. But the way people perceive their environment is different and depending on their knowledge, capabilities, and for our current topic, cultural influence. So Jessica, you stated that the element of collectivism and individualism plays a big part in cultural influence. So perhaps you could elaborate for us on, on what that is. Yeah, um, so sure, uh, thanks for having me. Um, so for context, um, I really define individualism as kind of a focus on your individual goals um, and some, um, this, uh, the self. Uh, something This is something that's very common in Western countries and places like the States. Um, and a lot of people kind of see them as uh, themselves as kind of a free agent. Um, in a more collectivist culture, um, people see themselves as more of as part of a interdependent system. There's a lot of the focus on the goals of the group. Um, and this is something that I found a little bit more common in Asian countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's elements of both wherever you go. Um, but I do think that the overall sentiment does affect how people view things. Mm-hmm. Um, which then plays a big influence on culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, um, in China, uh, you might have something like really heavy surveillance. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be seen as something that's good for the group, um, while in the States, surveillance mm-hmm. might be seen as something very exploitative um, mm-hmm. because you're looking at uh, your individual privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is just one example, and it's one that's mm-hmm. a little bit more extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can affect how um, the different systems that we live in are designed or how we interact with different people or different mm-hmm. businesses um, and kind of how we view other countries as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So this is how I always wondered about this. So maybe Sonia, um, I mean, 
if you, I, I think you've worked in Indonesia, you probably know that you know Indonesia probably has the collectives inside. Um, but again, I also live in Indonesia and I live in Japan at the moment. Um, it's kind of hard to generalize these, uh, like like any any other groups, people gravitate towards the path with the least resistance. And of course, then there's the habitual aspect for, for it and such as how the elderly prefer to use old design styles and as opposed to the new. So what do you think about this, uh, Sonia? Well, um, I guess, especially coming from um, Indonesian culture, uh, which is like Jessica mentioned, it was like more Asian. Mm -hmm. We are actually, uh, we are brought up with the idea of uh, collectiv collectivism. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think for the past, like about like five years, I've been working like with different people. And um, I, I think I started to see a lot of pattern of like individualism uh, uh -huh. rising up uh, uh -huh. in, especially Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And I would say also because like, um, especially in design field mm -hmm. where um, I wouldn't say all, but most of the people that I work with, most of the people that I meet, they are also like, um, they have like this huge introvert sites, mm -hmm. which is, which plays like a quite important, uh, with a huge role in fact, on like how they choose to uh, do their work, whether they, they choose to do it in a big group or they're more uh, comfortable in do it, uh, it, to do it like on their own kind of things. So um, I guess, uh, I, I'm still, to be honest, seeing this pattern a lot moving forward, like about like two, three years from now. Um, days by days, I think our biggest struggle would be like how to bring team to collaborate with like one another, which mm -hmm. means like if we are actually struggling with that, means like a lot more people are more interested in working um, on their own rather than in a group. Um, so that's actually like our... Um, one of our main struggle, I guess, here in Indonesia. I see, I see, I see. So also, Jessica, you've mentioned about how Chinese sort of, you know, there's a, it's much more lenient on the data privacy side. Maybe Amit, would you like to comment on that? Maybe there's a, there's a lot of things that we can, yeah, we can explore that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just, just taking, uh, you know, the whole uh, idea of, uh, you know, different cultures, we have collectivism and individualism and, you know, taking it further, uh, which is not just, uh, you know, the uh, the different cultures who are directly influencing, let's say, uh, the way uh, design has been made. But then data privacy, you know, in, in, in our recent days, it's it's pretty much like a, you know, like a hot topic. It is something that has less touched uh, all of us. It's it's not something that we can ignore. And, uh, you know, it's, it's only like maybe five to ten years back, like nobody really, uh, I would say, you know, thought or cared about too much when they were like, you know, putting information out. Uh, and now if you see like, you know, there, there's a lot more uh, conscious effort and, you know, people are really trying to understand, you know, how much information do they want to like let out. So, uh, you know, something and, and uh, I was also listening to uh, what Jessica had said in, uh, you know, one, one of her earlier podcasts, very interestingly, where, uh, you know, when you have like a collectivist society, like, you know, uh, I think what you mentioned was, uh, you know, the, the, the willingness to comply with certain tools that benefit everybody, even if it uh, comes at the cost of privacy and independence. Now, that was something very striking. And I can understand, you know, in, in like a in like a collectivist society that sort of works, you know, uh, particularly speaking about China. But then, uh, you know, 
if if you keep thinking about you know there, there are obvious pros and cons of having uh, you know something where you don't have data privacy but then you have something else so how how if you if you were to think of you know where's the middle ground where do you draw the line what's what's like an ideal scenario in your in your opinion like if if you were to like lay out you know what's the best thing to do moving forward right um i think that's a very interesting question i don't know if that there's an answer to it um globally, but I do think every country or every culture has their kind of own um, line to cross. Um, I think in Asia specifically, um, I think there's a little bit more trust for technology. Um, there's a lot more kind of um, trusting these larger companies that are creating tools for us to use. Um, whereas I think in the States, um, because of just all of the data privacy scandals and um, things that are um, a little bit more kind of free-for-all. Um, I think people are inherently a little bit more wary. So they want to see that like cookies question or they want to see um, like different um, layers that you have to enter to make sure that you're not a robot. Um, so um, it's a way for, I think, both for, um, for to comply with kind of government regulations, but also to help give you kind of a feel like you're, um, what you're putting in is safe. Um, uh, I also think that the government itself is also a very interesting player in all of this. Um, yeah. With um, China especially, I think because there's so much government influence in everything, um, you almost kind of have to just go with it. Um, so with these larger platforms like WeChat and um, Weibo or anything that um, these like giant apps that you use every day, um, you kind of just, um, in order to use it, you kind of have to give a certain amount of data. Um, so I think people tend to kind of um, be more okay with it because everybody is on the same platform. Everybody's giving the same amount of information. Um, this is kind of just the world that we live in. Right. And uh, just, just on the topic of, uh, you know, how people in China are, are, are a lot more, uh, you know, they're, they're a lot more open to sharing information because, you know, it's the same kind of information everybody has. Has there, has there been a very obvious uh, positive or a plus side, uh, you know, due to, uh, you know, all the data that's been on the cloud and what the government is doing with it, which is actually like, let's say, you know, the one that you uh, very clearly mentioned and very relevant at, at this point, which is the whole COVID, uh, you know, the uh, contact tracing. And that was really effective because it was, you know, if, when you have a larger country and you have like, you know, the, the population is like really, you know, it's, it's quite a lot. It, it definitely did help. And it, it uh, you know, you, you, you tend to think like, you know, what if countries like UK would have already introduced that? It definitely would have been helpful. But then, you know, obviously because of the laws and all, it wasn't possible. So other than that, uh, you know, let's say contact tracing is something that's happening right now. But let's say a pre-COVID or a post-COVID world where, you know, they, they, we, we did not have to deal with the pandemic. What would you say was the, you know, obvious, um, uh, let's say a positive or a, a plus side of having uh, a government which has access to, uh, you know, the information about, you know, so many people and what what else could uh, could, could it help in, in, right. in those terms? Um, so I think on like the day-to-day type benefit, um, of course, is personalization. So if an app knows a lot about you, they can give you the best experience they can give you. So like, if I know that you love um, a certain type of candy or a certain type of clothing, I can right. give you the best products and the best experience um, to get to those things. Um, so I think that's kind of on the um, more user experience side of things. Right. Um, on the more 
kind of like darker, darker, darker or deeper side of things um, where it's on the level of like um, coronavirus um, tracking or just tracking people in general, I think the benefit then becomes um, kind of this illusion of safety. So if I, if I have nothing to hide, it doesn't matter. I, I know that if there's um, anything else going out on out there, I'm, I, I feel safe because the government can find out who did something that shouldn't be happening. Um, and that was actually something I noticed quite a bit as well was um, there was a kind of mentality where I don't mind if I share my information because um, I don't I didn't do anything wrong. So why would there be a problem? So, um, so in, a, in a way, there was there was a certain level of trust on the government that, you know, I'm, I'm completely transparent. The government completely knows about me, so I don't have to worry about anything. Then sort of right. you leave it on the government to take care of all of us kind of thing. Right. Um, and I do think that um, there is a certain level that um, that I enjoyed it as well, where um, I, I felt very safe, like, for example, just like walking around the city at night because um, there are cameras everywhere or, mm -hmm. right. um, you know, like there's um, just a certain level of safety that you do get because um, you're being watched. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. Sonia, what do you think about that? Um, I know in Indonesia, data privacy is not that huge, and it's still in you know, people are still learning about data privacy. But from e-commerce e webs, uh, from e-commerce e uh, side, you know, there's a lot of scam, and you know, people sort of, well, they enter their own name, their their own um, um, personal data, and things like that. What do you think about that? Well, I think echoing what Jessica was saying is that um, I believe like this kind of experience would go back to uh, like an individual. Some people um, don't mind uh, mm -hmm. sharing this their data anywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's actually why uh, like a company say like Facebook, they could also like get our data because we are actually seeing Facebook today as more like a dumping ground. Mm -hmm. It's like we signed up and we use Facebook, we signed up, we, do, we don't care like what they take and all that. We just feel, you know, we have nothing to hide, you know, things like that. But and then there are this like another per type of person, like maybe they don't do anything wrong anyways, but they just feel like I'm like I'm a, I'm a more private person and I just mm -hmm. don't feel like I want to share this. And there are the third part of the third uh, area of people where they just they don't care, but because everybody care and then they were like, no, no, I care about it, too. Um, So like that, that's like three part of, of these things. Um, But um probably uh what happened in indonesia is that yes we are not so big with this data privacy as just yet mm -hmm. before i work in socopedia i work in a smart city company and we are basically collecting like the citizen data so we could actually fit the government on what the citizen need so that's that's like the good side of like collecting like a good data another thing is that um in e-commerce when uh when you give us like the consent of like uh, can i play, can i take your a b a b and c data mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. you you got the consent to do it like we give you like a more like a personalized um, recommendation a personalized product um a product within the uh, the the price range that we know that you're buying which is which is great which mm -hmm. is also why like um like a smart speaker like alexa uh is booming today Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people feel like um, I, I need like a more like um, a personal assistant kind of thing mm -hmm. 
like a computer who understand me and all this can can happen unless we share our data to a certain big provider which is like what amazon google like facebook like they're the one who actually built like the system for us so mm-hmm. i think um it it just it's kind of normal for uh for if we want like uh, the smarter the technology the more compromise that the more compromise of a data that that we have to be willing to to give up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um i think in indonesia it's uh um i know a lot of people who are um who still feel like it's okay um like data privacy is not such a big thing and mm-hmm. they're uh they love the idea of like a personalization experience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which means like um i think they uh they're okay to overlook that part of data mm-hmm, privacy mm-hmm. as long as the personalization is like is good nice yeah, i think interestingly uh, what what you've mentioned is the more data you allow that is the only way the system is going to get more smarter because you give it data that's when it it gets more personalized the more data you give it the more it learns and then it gives back again so yeah and and just just to quickly wanted to ask you because you mentioned about alexa is is the is the adaptation or i mean the adoption of uh, you know alexa and let's say personal assistants is as a quite high in uh, indonesia at this point um let's see Um if you're talking about e-commerce specifically then uh n- not yet although uh, we are actually seeing the behavior and we think that we are actually moving marching towards uh, that uh, part if you are asking like in generals like do we use a lot of like voice activation uh, we do okay um like Siri like Bixby we do use a lot of that and based on the data that we get um if we could actually create something that gives people uh, a more like a personalized experience of shopping mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. indonesia that would be something that people would love it here right, right. oh wow okay okay so um so i have a question so this is for sonia so jessica mentioned that you know because of the scandal you know the data privacy scandal in the united states people are, are more uh worried about whether the government will use the these these data for some dubious things but then again as you know um during the elections you know the the chebong what do you call it i don't i don't remember but then there was this a lot of issues rumors that was spread was distributed in twitter and whatsapp and all of those p- perhaps were using you know data privacy to target the right people but then again do you see any changes uh, in terms of people sort of um, wanted how the these experience to be much more better or to be much more protective what do you think about that so well um i remember about this scandal mm-hmm. and then uh, i mean the whole world was talking about it and mm-hmm. um i guess remember those three types of people that i talk about mm-hmm. <laughs> like i guess the one that doesn't care just feel like yeah well you know what that's um that's another news and the one who cares actually feels like okay i really need to be careful and they become even more private but the one that didn't care but then <laughs> because the whole world actually like you know that that crowd uh, effect mm-hmm. uh, those are like the one that you hear like a lot more actually in social media mm-hmm. but it's just kind of like you know it's just a lot of tweet <laughs> uh mm-hmm. 
but um if you see physically what's happening is um we're not seeing any changes in terms of how um um how careful how more careful people would sign mm-hmm. up on stuff how more careful people would um say they rather use their um personal email rather than facebook suppose mm-hmm. um we 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 did track that because like um initially i think one of our um sign up uh, did use facebook as well so that people mm-hmm. can just uh, jump into the app immediately mm-hmm. we measure that and mm-hmm. then um we didn't see any um it didn't change that much i mean it mm-hmm. almost like didn't didn't have an effect on it so i think um yeah um i think here in indonesia it um it doesn't matter that much although mm-hmm. i know i have a friend in singapore and uh he happened to actually work in like uh like the uh, in facebook mm-hmm. but in their legal uh, part mm-hmm. and um well he did mention that um year by year a lot more people in singapore started to um restrict their, their data mm-hmm. and i think it's also because of what jessica was saying that um they do trust their government but you know like the more developed a country the more um tight things get obviously mm-hmm. which is like pretty normal mm-hmm. and the more careful people will get right and i mm-hmm. think indonesia probably is like marching towards that today i see i see so you, you... We're going to see a trend, sort of like what happened in the United States, what happened in Indonesia as well. Um, I think it'll happen everywhere eventually. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So, and also Jessica, um, I know you live in Shanghai, right? Um, so I, I remember a friend of mine. Uh, he so he was living in um, I don't remember. I think it's some well, it, I think it was Beijing. So basically, he was living there for five years. Um, he has some work to do in there. Um, so everybody is using an Alipay, all these um, this, this digital payment, right? And then what happened is he jaywalked well, one day, and his face was scanned. Twenty minutes later, he got deducted. He got a notice um, from the, the government and said, "Yeah, we deducted. I don't know how much, maybe twenty dollars something from your bank because." You've jaywalk. What sort of Whoa. yeah? What sort of the worst thing that happened? You know, from the user experience perspective that you've personally ex- experienced. Um, personally experienced, honestly, not quite a lot. I think mm-hmm. because I have an American passport. Um, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I, I feel like it, it. It might be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, But I have definitely heard the jaywalking story. Um, I think what I am very curious about is like um, the new social scores. I guess not that new; it's been around for a couple of years now. Yeah, but, Black Mirror. Um, the, the idea that you have some kind of score based off of yeah how much you're jaywalking, or um, I've heard even the groceries that you buy um, can affect oh, the score. Uh-huh. Um, I think I remember reading somewhere um, that like mothers, if um, Like if they knew you had like a newborn baby and you went to a grocery store, um, your points would be different if you bought like, for example, uh, milk powder versus um, buying a oh, wow. wine. Um, <laughs> that would, would change your score a little bit. Um, so I think like things like that are very interesting because um, you're um, kind of you have to like make some kind of call for what makes someone a good person or a bad person mm-hmm. um, based off of very small. Um, 
thought processes that like shouldn't really make a difference. Um, so I think like there's definitely um, a tricky space there for um, how um, they start to kind of um, put people into different boxes. What's what's your personal view on that? I mean, I uh, you know you, even as you were mentioning or uh, speaking about the whole rating system for people on a daily basis, that sounds way way too intrusive. But let's say <laughs> if, if given an opportunity, I mean, I, I know you like stayed there in Shanghai for the for the length of your time when you were working. Would you like what what would you make of a society like, if if you were uh, one of the citizens and you know it, it was like complete black mirror. Uh, coming coming through and you were given like a score what what would you make of that i mean now now you know knowing, knowing how you spent your time in america so what, what do you think of it yeah um so i'd say that um it's i i understand where they why they want to do something like this from the government perspective mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. um of course one it one it helps people kind of try to make the right decisions or try to make better decisions um, but I do think that they are, it's way too granular and way too specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course that was what I just mentioned was a very extreme example um, that I read somewhere and I'm not entirely sure if that's actually happening or not. But mm-hmm. um, I think things on a grander scale where it's like this person, um, for example, um, like had a good GPA or something, or um, mm-hmm. did very well at the job, or um, got promoted. Things like that, where it's like general life milestones, I think could make sense. Um, but it shouldn't be on like a person's day to day decisions. Yeah. Um, so I think, um, but again, I think in general, I I don't particularly agree with having any kind of rating system um, because I think everybody is kind of born into a very different. Um, into different family lifestyles, into different um, like education systems. Um, so I think it's very difficult to really um, give a score to someone without knowing a full picture. Um, and it's difficult to kind of give context, context to that um, when you're just kind of taking someone's actions and um, um, kind of putting numbers on that. Yeah, true, true. And, and, and I think uh, also, you know, some people's decisions there's so many things, external factors that influence one, one person's decision about doing one uh, as opposed to the other. So it's almost like, you know, having like a very limited uh, and compartmentalizing uh, people based on what they did, but they're not really considering of what, what factors, you know, made the person do right. one as opposed to the other. Interesting. It's interesting. Okay. And then also, so Sonia, um, Sonia mentioned that Indonesia sort of going towards what the United States is happening at the moment. But do you think United, United States gonna go towards what the Asian is uh, um, it's, it's, um, adopting at the moment? So because it's sort, of, it's sort of hard to avoid data, big data and AI because we are living in a population which everybody has um, different opinion, to, we have different groups. Uh, I remember in Capitol Hill, the Capitol Hill um, incident. Um, I don't know whether this is true or not, but you know, a lot of people got arrested because they were using their phone, and then the government have their um, uh, uh, geolocation idea uh, uh, retrieved from, from their phones. Do you think it's do we, do you think we'll find a balance between whether you know 
because Asia, sort of China, China is sort of like the extreme part of, of, of trying to monitor everything, right? But the United States sort of like trying to, I don't know what I felt, this is just only my opinion, but the government is trying to control the the uh, the population, but it's in sort of in 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 very vague way. But do you do, do you see any <laughs> what what I'm trying to say is that is there a chance that American will go towards um what happened in Asia at the moment? Okay, so so will America American citizen um finally give up and then say like i don't care about the data privacy anymore i know i'm I, <laughs> I mean particularly also because the the whole i think the way the the mentality it's it's quite quite uh i mean correct me if i'm wrong because i haven't stayed there but you know all, all our image or, or all the information about what we get from uh, from the media about america maybe jessica can actually correct and tell us like no that's not how it is but then it's quite a divided uh, society purely based on you know mentality you know one one is very liberal and one is uh, very different kind so i think it's yeah i mean it, to, to go back to what ramad's question was to uh, to see if if america uh, american society can go toward what what uh, indonesia is right now it nearly needs to have like a phase shift in, in like a you know ground up cultural shift where your your mindsets are changing and uh, what do you think what do you think uh... well um i'm not exactly sure like I, I guess i can't speak for uh like the people in america i'm maybe jessica like can explain that better but um if what we're seeing here in indonesia i think it's almost like our mindset here in Asia is starting to march towards there, towards like the west side. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, as much as I'm like the, um, I'm, a, I'm, a super, I'm a big believer of like the speech of freedom and everything. If, if I was born in like Martin Luther King time, I'd probably like be one of their campaign. But um, I am I'm, I'm also the kind of person who actually believe like uh, democracy has got um, its limitation, especially uh, in a place where you're trying to build uh, like a certain system. And um, normally, um, I know that uh, when you put this out in um, like um, on paper, it, it would not look like as grand um, because it will feel like there's a lot of limitation and things like that. But um i guess uh, you have to uh, like we kind of have to see like what is the goal of like this country what is the goal of like that country and um and i think that would um that would also be like the citizen um belief like uh, are they okay with the culture change uh because uh, like what's the goal you know things like that so um, I'm not I'm not sure if America eventually is going to be as suppose like quite lenient like how uh, we are today, but and that's also not right or wrong. Whether like should we be more cautious or should we stay lenient? Mm -hmm. um, we're not we're not sure. Um, all uh, we talk about today is still more like. Um, we we are i think on the on the gate of still enjoying 
the the good side of sharing our data and i mean we we do hope that it continues to to be that way um but yeah i guess like time will tell right i see so and jessica what do you think is do you think there'll be a shift there's a revolution where there's a point where because i think there's a point where the government needs sort of sacrifice either security or data privacies but i'm i'm is there is there a point where probably the culture will shift towards you know something much more granular something like china china does I do think there will be a little bit of shift towards, I think I think both sides like will kind of go towards this a middle, mm -hmm. uh, both in, in Asia and in the US. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that it'll actually change much from what we have now, um, mm -hmm. mostly because people are so scared of it here. Um, mm -hmm. I think people here are like, oh, I want to keep my own information um, um, versus having something very personalized or having the tech be, um, kind of, um, yeah, to be as, uh, to, to know as much about you. So I think that there's a lot of, a lot of different ways it could go. Um, but mm -hmm. I do think that it will probably never be to a point where there, there is some kind of social score. Um, mm -hmm. But I could yeah. see, for example, maybe something where like based off of your bank activity, you can't sign up for something, but um, it would be more on kind of like that individual level versus um, something that's assigned to you personally as like some kind of title. I see. I see. That's so. I was I was wondering if maybe sort of because we you know we are in the pandemic states and the government sort of wanted to to monitor their population. I wonder if that shift sort of become another reason for them to sort of have this cultural shift. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's. That's another question, but okay. So Sonia mentioned about Alexa, uh, you know, about voice and audio, and we, we all know that you know in the future um, we're going to have a new medium, you know, the the VR, the voice. I've done a few VR projects before, and also audio, uh, you know, voice based voice based project before. Um, but I don't know. I don't know whether if you guys remember. I think it was four or three years ago um, where, when uh, Google released the Google Duplex thing. You know, there's a demo and uh, and there was this demo where um, the AI uh, answer a, 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 a call from somebody and then it was done with, with, with different accent and it, is, it, it was being replied. Yeah, it, it, it made an appointment for a hair appointment. I think it was a hair appointment. Yeah, it was and a hair appointment, right? So it's sort of like it, it responds like like a human, and everybody couldn't tell the difference. But then again, after the demo was over, there was this a lot of conversations around the, you know from around the Twitterverse. Everybody's saying, that, "Hey, is this going to happen in the future? Are are we going to be um, scam or dub because this, it was easy, right? And in Japan, for instance, there's something called uh, ore ore sagi. It's basically people who called old. The old people, because then they don't know whether um, to differentiate between the, their daughter voice or somebody else's voice, and then they just this guy says, "I um, could you um send me my I don't know one thousand dollars because oh, um I I'm having an accident things like that." But then again, uh, from the culture perspectives, um, what do you what are your thoughts on that? Um, 
um, especially on the audio side. This is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So um, I think in terms of new medium, what uh, I personally uh, have experienced is that um, we, um, like I, I mentioned before, because of the um, the rise of the individualism, mm -hmm. uh, people are people feel like they might uh, feel more comfortable in working like on their own. And like mm -hmm. one of our biggest struggle is to actually get people to like collaborate with, like with one another. Mm -hmm. And uh, so one of my main job is to actually um, like facilitate like a lot of co-design for like our different projects to uh, so that they uh, like everybody can gather like the right requirements for the product and all that. And so uh, the struggle uh, for me personally, I guess the struggle is to get like a good um, um, a good loud ideas out of somebody as uh, when we all are in the same room, like in the physical uh, mm -hmm. world. Uh, because when we're in the physical world, we are bound to see who are the people around us. Like, do I feel more intimidated uh, with this person? And um, like, if suppose they're like a more like, you know, the highest paid person in the room, uh, I probably have a good idea, but I feel like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna wait for probably someone else gonna say the idea or say uh, something similar and then I'm going mm -hmm. to agree. So um, it's been like a certain struggle to uh, to get people with this amazing idea to put mm -hmm. their idea on the table out loud. Uh, mm -hmm. But when the COVID started, we started shifting this online and we started doing this using like um, like a remote um, program like Miro mm -hmm. and that or Figma, like mm -hmm. that. and then we started seeing uh, how things is a little better. Mm -hmm. um, like maybe you feel less intimidated. You mm -hmm. can do mm -hmm. like a silent uh, animation, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. Then I got quite curious, and then so every two weeks one, and I do like a maybe. Um, workshop on like human computer interaction in mm -hmm. VR and then I do learn something else again there is uh, mm -hmm. is uh, what I learned is that people feel so much more less intimidated when you're you and them is mm -hmm. just an avatar they don't mm -hmm. care who you are mm -hmm. they don't care like uh, they don't see what you wear they don't mm -hmm. see you, how much you make you know they, mm -hmm. they don't care we are doing an ideation it's going mm -hmm. to be an organic one because mm -hmm. it's um uh, um i will not feel intimidated with another avatar because you you look just like me and then the and then the result is like um is better mm -hmm. so um i would personally vouch for it <laughs> that okay. Uh, okay. hopefully like you know company like oculus uh, start to make like a lot more headsets so People can have, afford a lot of a lot of this, and this mm -hmm. could be a big thing. It's so almost like equalizer that you are saying. Like nobody actually thinks about who is there and whatever. Everybody is just in the virtual world, and people are a lot more, uh, you know, more real, more organic, more more open to who they actually are without actually this, thinking about. Yeah, I think this uh, this uh, the mechanism is the same. Like suppose you go to like um like a bar. And then before you come up and talk to somebody, um, 
unconsciously you would actually see this person like oh what they're wearing who i think they are you know things like that and then you're like um okay maybe i can go talk to them but when you're in vr in the virtual world they're an avatar you're an avatar um you wouldn't have that much thoughts you just like ah now this is another avatar and i can just see exactly yeah exactly i see i see So this is for Jessica. So Jessica, you mentioned on your podcast that um, there's a different, um, there's a there's a unique characteristic when you know if you compare people from United States when they're browsing the internet, um, people from the United States they tend to focus more on the search um, bar, and but people from China they tend to sort of focus on the big picture. But again, on on audio on audio side. The, on the audio experience, do you think there's a difference between the West and the East? Mm. Uh, that I'm not too sure about. I think I haven't um, looked too much into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think audio as a platform, you kind mm-hmm. of only you can, you can only focus on one thing mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, um, nice. where you kind of, you have this one conversation that you're listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's actually a very good question. Of like, I'm not exactly sure how. Um, audio would change. Um, however, I would say I think that the, um, I feel like the conversations are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, I have noticed, I think, um, both for um, just general conversations as well mm-hmm. as um, with um, the kind of t- personality of technology, I think mm-hmm. in um, in the States is a little bit more like regular conversational, mm-hmm. like, um, Whereas I think in China um, and in Asia in general, I think tech is almost um, characterized a little bit more. There's a lot of mm-hmm. like, cute characters and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think um, sometimes with um, with podcasts, maybe that that's something that also a podcast or just audio in general, maybe that's something mm-hmm. that you do it as well. I see. I see. So sorry, I was I wasn't talking about audio. I was talking about the voice thing. Um, that's that's an interesting point. So basically, in Japan, um, this is another argument that I want to add. So in Japan, uh, basically in, in 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 other Asian countries as well. So um, the language has several levels. So if you talk with your elder, with your uh, with your parents, or you're talking, uh, if you're talking with the president, you need sort of um, use different grammar or use different language because. Basically, if you talk with your peer, then you have you can use you know slang and things like that. But if you talk with the president, you have to sort of show your uh, respect. Um, I wonder if that sort of can be um, added to the, the elements. Um, <laughs> uh, and then for virtu- virtual, um, um, this is for Jessica. So, uh, so I've done uh, virtual uh, projects, and it's sort of hard. To pinpoint because I mean in terms of the experience of obviously um because the it doesn't have any reference so visual we have maybe this is just only my opinion uh, we have print and before um before websites uh, so people sort of evolve from print and websites and tend to refer from that but for virtual for virtual experience the only reference that people has is well the real world and sometimes. In order to make a good experience out of this, it's really hard. Uh, what do you think? Is there any standard that people can follow, or something? What What do you think? Um, yeah, I think this is a, a super um, interesting problem to solve. I think there's 
um, because with VR, you kind of could build any kind of world that um, mm. you want. Um, I think from my end, I actually almost hope that people don't try to copy the real world. I hope that they try to create something different. Mm -hmm. um, I think in some ways, maybe there's some kind of virtual world that um, works for all cultures. Um, so I think like, um, maybe I think it would actually be very interesting if VR designers actually looked more towards um, a lot of maybe like game industries or film um, to think mm -hmm. about how um, to architect these kind of virtual worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, just because I think there's a lot of um, different ways to do it. Um, I think right now a lot of people are doing avatars and I think they work very well, um, mm -hmm. but I'm curious to see like what other ways we, they, we could kind of um, use VR um, to both meet other people, but also just have an experience um, within VR. Great, great. So one last question um, is about super apps. So Jessica, you mentioned um, about super apps on the podcast, right? And you mentioned that it's it's much more prevalent in Asia, but it's not very, um, you know, people not use it in, on on United States or the, on the Western side. What do you think that happened? Maybe Sonia or Jessica can answer this. Maybe uh, Jessica sure. Yes. Um, yeah. So I actually think a lot of it was um, because of the way tech kind of grew in China. Mm -hmm. um, so let's say like five, 10 years ago, there wasn't as much tech as there was in the US. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there were, it was like a very unique position where you can kind of like see what was doing well and what was not, and then make something in China mm -hmm. um, to fit kind of like the, more of the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, so I think a lot of it was actually in the government's hands where they could say like WeChat is going to be the only messaging platform or mm -hmm whatever, some other thing is gonna be the only meal app delivery. Um, so I think there was a little bit more of a top-down approach where someone or some kind of entity was saying, was more deciding these things would happen. Mm -hmm. And because um, there were already kind of these monopolies over different pieces, so like WeChat as messaging, mm -hmm. um, those companies were able to kind of grow and become super apps. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas in the States, I think it's almost too late um, like, I don't think there's one app here that could even become a super app because um, there's no one app that people are all on or they're all considering as the best. Um, each of the apps that we use kind of are the best in, at their thing, but they're not, we're not going to, for example, use um, Instagram as mm -hmm. your meal delivery just because mm -hmm. you already have something else that's better for meal delivery. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because I, re I remember Facebook and Messenger was uh, was was one before, and then they sort of make a different apps, and then again Instagram acquired uh, sorry Facebook acquired Instagram and WhatsApp, but then again they made separate apps for those apps. Uh, so okay. from sorry, yeah, it's 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 interesting to see how here it's almost like splitting into separate things. Yeah, yeah, uh, versus becoming one. Yeah, so this happened in Japan as well. So what do you think, Sonia? What do you think this, this phenomenon happened in Asia? Well, um, in my opinion, I think Super App has a lot to do, especially, I guess, in Asia or in Indonesia, mm -hmm. where data privacy is still not something um, that is made uh, a huge deal of. Mm -hmm. So uh, being as uh, being a super app as also uh, means like you're trying to gather like different data from a different source point to uh, strengthen your core business. 
uh, and uh, what I see is that because also I guess because uh, in this part of the world uh, it's still like a quite a good opportunity like like Jessica said like in US that's almost like not uh, one app that people consider like the best mm -hmm. that people are like all everyone is there but uh, but the the industry is matured there and for Indonesia and for mm -hmm. like the, at least the South of Asia things are still like quite developing here there's still a lot more like opportunity for like an app to gather the data and then to make sure that um, they can leverage to what works and what doesn't um so uh, this is like a pretty good time for people who have like good app and then good uh, user base to actually want to create like super app mm -hmm. Um, although obviously when, uh, I, I personally feel that when the, when the industry is much more matured, um, a lot of the super app will try to see whether like which of this point is their core business mm -hmm. and then they, they will have to, um, focus there and all these other things is just kind of like a supporting things or probably they just said, okay, I'm just gonna like uh put it in the library and and that's it yeah i think i think um, they'll be, hmm? yeah. Sorry, yeah i think you, yeah i think they'll be able, uh, yes sorry no i just i just because just picking up on what uh, sonia had said that uh you know i think looking at uh how how the industry has uh, matured in, in let's say in in the west as as compared to like let's say indonesia uh, which is why you have super apps. But does it also come down to like a very, uh, you know, like a cultural choice where people may not want to be uh, bogged down by too many apps? And, you know, do, do you think culturally that might be a little too confusing? That's why uh, to, to sort of ease uh, people into having like, you know, just one one stop shop and give them everything that they can do in one. And, uh, you know, as opposed to, let's say in the US or even, even in India, you know, and other places, we would, uh, you know, I personally would, would definitely prefer if one app does that one thing, it does one, it, it does it right. I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want uh, an Instagram to also order my food, and I wouldn't want like the app that orders my food. Uh, I can upload my photos as well, and, and I can make some payments as well. I'd rather have everything separate, even if that means that having like, different logins or whatever, and that's something that you know you sort of go with. But again, this is like my personal choice. But if, if I were to ask, like, let's say everyone here on the call, uh, Sonia, what, what do you think? Like, would you would you prefer now that you've been staying there in Indonesia, would you prefer like a super app approach? Or are you still fine to have like one app that does one thing and it does very well and you, you want to keep it separate? Okay. Uh, I think to be very honest with you, um, as much uh, we we have like a couple of super app here, mm -hmm. but uh, on a personal approach, and uh, I know like from also my surroundings, from what we see on a daily basis as well, uh, one app is kind of being uh, overly used only for one function, mm -hmm. which uh, suppose like, um, okay, say Tokopedia. So Tokopedia today is almost kind of also like a super app. We have, ev we almost have everything. We have like investment, we have like, um, well, we have like different stuff. But people will always remember Tokopedia as like e-commerce. Yeah. Uh, when they want to do investment, they're not going to go to Tokopedia. They're going to go to like somewhere, some, somewhere else. And okay. that the same thing like, um, like with other apps as well. So I guess 
as much as we probably uh, would say that, yeah, it would be so much easier for me to just go to one app. Unconsciously, we are already practicing the behavior, believe in the core business of a company, right. and then just use a serve of that service in that app. Exactly. Like just focus on one thing and uh, keep keep the other one separate. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's quite funny when you think like, you know, the same app that I ordered my burger from is the same one which is giving me investment advice and it's sort of uh, handling my bank as well. That's, that's a little bit weird. <laughs> How about you, Jackie? Yeah. What do you think? Well, of yeah. course, yeah, exactly. Uh, this is actually one of our um, questionable approach when we think that whether uh, if uh, we are ready for like a shopping voice activation as much as we, we think people um, would want that. So uh, definitely uh, a more thorough research needs to be done on that part as well, because what people say and what people do, like, you know, it's, it's different. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's interesting. So yes, thank you so much, Jessica and Sonia. Uh, I wish we have more times. So, uh, maybe if we have another opportunity, we can talk more. And that's it. Thank you so much, everyone. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I think maybe maybe you can uh, see like another time if, if everyone is free. I think we can do like another one. Maybe there, there are too many topics to discuss. Which is, yeah, that's too, uh, too many topics. Yeah. 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 Thank, you, sure thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you so much. Oh, Sonia, if, you're welcome to stay if you want. <laughs> Oh, oh, nice Jessica, yeah, so yes, I know you. You have a hard stop, yes. <laughs> All right, thank you, guys. Thank you. I have like, uh, like I have a meeting in like the next thirty minutes, but I have like fifteen minutes to spare. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's talk more. <laughs> uh, now, so I was particularly it, interested because, uh, uh, sorry, I mean, like, yeah, the the, the, the one thing that. Um, I know this is this is not like you know completely you know directly at, at the topic that we're discussing, but then you know when you talk about data privacy and stuff, there's a lot of things that get thrown up. You know, I mean, uh, very recently, you know, the the one thing that you mentioned, uh, Sonia, earlier that um, uh, it's almost like uh, you you know you're you're okay for uh, you know people like you know culturally in Indonesia, it's okay for them to give out information right now. Because you are, let's say, in, in, in like the honeymoon period of the, the digital revolution where we are completely okay and you are, you're enjoying the good side of uh, technology where it's, you know, uh, personalizing uh, stuff to you. It is, it is giving information. But then slowly, uh, I'm not saying that it is, it is an eventuality, but then there'll always be uh, a side where either it's the government or it's some kind of a big company like a monopoly who will try and make use of uh, the information for some kind of a very, very uh, personal or vested interest. And, you know, you can already see that happening in India right now, uh, you know, very recently. I think it just happened like maybe a couple of days back where, uh, you know, you had the farmers protest and the government, uh, you know, actually had like this whole control on Twitter where they blocked a lot of these accounts which were in support of um, the, uh, the farmer protest. And which, you know, it was quite um, striking for me to see how, uh, you know, the, the regularity of Twitter, how it works or differs from country to country. Like Twitter would never directly go and just block accounts uh, in the US, but then in India, 
I don't know what kind of understanding they have. It's like, you know what? You said something about the ruling government. Let's just block the account. And that's sort of, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to like, you know, use the word double standards, but <laughs> it's sort of, it, it almost like you tweak the rules to make sure that, you know, you, you, you comply with the ruling government only to make sure that nobody stops your service. And that sort of is, you know, it's something where, you know, you keep thinking like, oh, that's, that's not right, but you know, but that's what business is, I guess. It's like you you don't if, if you were anywhere supposed to, yeah. No, you were saying go ahead, um, go ahead. I guess that's actually the part where we feel like um like democracy has its limitation <laughs> anywhere. It's almost like uh they said, okay, you can say anything you want in Twitter. It's a it's a free country, it's a anything, <laughs> but even recently, anything like Donald except, Trump except these things, yeah. Anything yeah. except these 50 things, yeah. <laughs> sure. Your freedom of speech comes yeah. with like a very hard caveat. Like, yeah, exactly. There's like conditions in there. <laughs> There's always condition in like everything. <laughs> Especially in a country where um, like the, not only developing country, but like developing countries where say like China, mm-hmm. where uh, they are, they, they're, they're, they're building their country towards a more um, we would say like discipline but other people probably say like communism <laughs> like uh, you know things like that they're they're uh, more particular when it comes to this stuff uh, back then like um i don't know what you remember this last month you you for sure you will you remember like our uh, second president mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. back then we had the same problem too right like if you say uh-huh. something about the president and then like uh you probably go disappear directly <laughs> and you will never be popular. Yeah, Suharato. Uh, yeah. The information uh, was taken from Tokopedia and the, the person is just gone. It's just, you know, you're never going to see it again. <laughs> like, mm. not even the data, nothing, completely gone. Yeah. So, I think everywhere you're going to find this kind of uh, thing. Um, recently, we have got, like, case here in Indonesia, uh, an American citizen she uh so she came to bali and then she overstretched her visa ah yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you knew that right yeah yeah she she used her uh to actually tell people about her life in bali and how she uh she's been living quite like a queen because of the living cost uh like a lower living cost and mm-hmm. also like she um she uh she's actually woke kind of like working there, creating workshop, making money there, but then she doesn't have to pay tax because she doesn't own like Indonesian, um, um, in Indonesian, passport, um, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she's not an Indonesian citizen. Yeah. And then she posted this in Twitter so much that a lot more people started seeing this and then um, it become like a huge issue here in Indonesia. And I think that would be like the first time, at least what I know of uh, knowing that a Twitter account is blocked in Indonesia. Mm. So otherwise, I think I've never heard that before. Not like nothing goes that big. It's just that um, I think a lot more people started commenting on it. And um, I think social issue today is also something that is quite arising here in Indonesia with like the... Um, like you know like the social gap is started to to feel a lot more since covid started a lot of the like the medium class people is like getting bigger and then we're paying like we started to pay tax 
um, like it's a compulsory thing and then there are other people out there who's not paying tax and they were like my god we're gonna ban this person <laughs> yeah so um, yeah I think every country will have that that moment of like um, this is my limit and I'm going to ban you after this no although I do agree like you know with the, with the incident that you mentioned where if someone has gone ahead and they are just gone and advertising it as if like you know it's so easy for me and all it's not false advertising but it, because it ultimately does not help the government because people are going to think oh this is just like a very easy country where i can just go and live my life i'll just pay my taxes in the us and that really doesn't help not just the image but it doesn't also help the economy of bali so i yeah. mean it, it it is still commendable that they still allowed you know the, such kind of tweets until until it got to like maybe like it came to a tipping point where i think too many people are taking notice and you know before it goes out of hand it's better to block this in india probably it would be in the second tweet and it would have been blocked and she probably <laughs> would and uh, I, I, would, I would i would completely be okay with that honestly like it, it sort of makes sense let's face it right um there are like 1000 of people who works abroad and then like they have overstretched their visa who have never done that yeah. i think if we work anywhere like we would have that gap you know of like oh yeah i overstretched my visa a little bit but like the but government they just, like, yeah. just put you to jail and then or like deport you back no like um i think oh, this girl was like she she kind of just made it big herself and then yeah. she she kind of made uh like she made a fool of like our governments which means mm-hmm. like yeah yeah it was taken for granted like it almost like taken for granted that sort of didn't make sense actually i think today in indonesia we are we are developing countries we're trying to get a lot more companies to invest here we're getting like a we're trying to lure more like foreigners also to come here and if something like that could go past like the government uh, i think it would scare a lot of the investor a lot of mm-hmm. the company that would want to open here it's like what kind of thing is going on there you know yeah, um, that this kind of thing could go past it and that would be like really bad for for the economy so um i mean i i personally um, um yeah i wouldn't encourage it encourage this but um on a personal note like one person could like boom you know make such a huge blow <laughs> like that's another envy probably <laughs> i mean i guess it was a very tolerant response by the government saying you know what it, it's not that they didn't notice it must have noticed but they must have said okay fair enough it's not sort of reached like a critical mass where people are not too many people are actually taking notice but then yeah you're completely right it could scare away investors saying like if someone who is as simply coming here and you know if if she can break the rules and nobody is doing anything about it then why do we invest in the place like that it it, it it's a much bigger issue than yeah it makes sense yeah what do you think ramad what do you have to say about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um yeah, it's it, it's i think it's going back to uh, we are as a as a humanity we are getting bigger um i remember yuval harari says that Um, I don't. Know, you guys read Sapiens, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Yuval uh, yeah. Harari. So, yeah. He, basically, he was saying that um, um, a society could only function if they have maximum 100 people within that society. And now we have like what six billion people around the world, and 
the model needs to change. We wouldn't be able to communicate directly with other people, right? And then there's some, there needs some sort of control. We need to sort of change the model. And then I think China, they have a 1 billion people and 1 billion people, basically it's like one different personalities and they are, they are criminals. They are, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've remember I read somewhere that um, the child abduction rate in China is really high. So I guess it sort of makes sense if they switch, they don't care about data privacy because they don't, they want to protect their citizenships. I mean, I think Obama says, because you need to sort of let go some of your privacy in order to get security. Um, yes. Uh, it's, it's interesting to see in what, how United States evolve uh, <laughs> to be like this. I don't know whether they, I don't know whether this is individualism. Um, it's kind of hard to say because I know in Indonesia, there's a lot of people who are sort of individualistic as well, right? <laughs> or it's, maybe it's because the media uh, portray how data is bad, how the experience needs to be. Yeah, it's going back to the, the, the amendment argument again i yes. think one of the things also uh, you know, the thing the thing that we um, one of the challenges that we see very uh, very very big and very open challenges about fighting uh, you know how how uh, the whole because there is no check on let's say a fake news or the, let's say rumor mongering uh, it's it's very difficult to control where and how you know in in some places it's very easy to sway public opinion uh, mm -hmm. i don't know how in, in, in Indonesia, but um, uh, in India, again, you know, it, it, it because you, when you have like too much power in the hands of, let's say, like a you know, very limited people, and if these guys already have that kind of intention of, uh, you know, if they are hungry for power or whatever, then then a lot can, a lot of sort of damage can be done in swaying public opinion, which, and, and there is, there is very little that has been done to at least either prevent uh, any kind of false rumor being spread or or let's say, uh, you know, like fake news for that matter. I don't know how it also requires a certain level of social conscience where people are, are very conscious about what they read. They have like a very uh, ground rationale about, you know, understanding right from wrong or understanding influences about, you know, why if I'm reading that, is there an underlying meaning? Should I, should I you know, read more into it? Should I go and check more things? Should I check more sources? Maybe not a lot, a lot of societies don't do that. I don't know how it works in Indonesia. Maybe, uh, maybe you know, Rehmat and and uh, Sonia, because you're there right now, maybe you could probably tell us about how <laughs> is, is is that something that really works? Is it very easy? Not not in terms of public opinion, where uh, it's easy to push like a you know very very uh, impressive toaster to a, a public, but then is it very easy as easy to sway public opinion in that case for much bigger issues? Yes, in uh, Indonesia, it's actually one of the biggest um, population when it comes to like the, the users of social media today <laughs> in the world. <laughs> and I think um, in a place where the usage of social media is that high, it would have been like uh, easier to um, sway opinion. Right. And um, it's 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 not only a matter of like um, who said it, 
mm-hmm. but it's it's a matter of like how many said mm-hmm. okay the numbers matter volume matters yeah right. so uh the numbers of people matters but um like suppose um like i read like few like i follow a lot of like a few different twitter account right. like here in indonesia i think what i noticed uh, i personally i could be wrong but this is like a personal judgment uh what i noticed is uh how many how many people matters uh, that said this opinion but say like in us it's uh more towards like who said it matters rather mm. than how many people said it mm. so i'm not sure like about like like why is there different but uh, again that's like my personal um like seeing up to this point but do you also confirm to that like like you say would you, would you also be one of the uh, uh, you know an individual who would would see okay if you have like a volume of 100 100000 people are saying that would you would you go with it or would you i mean you you would you would do your own you know background check maybe like look at other different sources just to get like a balanced view not because 100000 people went for it right in a way um yeah true uh then again i'm also the kind of person who's not so big on a social media actually <laughs> and uh, uh i'm not the right target Yeah, I've considered one of those people who are actually probably more like individualistic, individualistic rather than like collective. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. most of the opinion that I shape is uh, probably based on uh, like what I've experienced, mm-hmm. uh, or at least someone that's close, like an experience of someone that are close to me that has effect on me personally. Mm-hmm. But uh, like what happened out there. when people are tr- like uh, there's a, like different issue that people talk about out there right um i think uh, it honestly does not bother me that much um yeah. the, personally the only case that recently bothered me was like this uh, like this this girl's case uh, the one that i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. but it was also because something that i think is concerning about how much like we uh, like i said like how much we work and then we pay so much tax and then like this this people who are trying to um, kind of like block things mm-hmm. so those are something that um, that i personally have an opinion because i uh, i see how it will affect me or like my loved one like who are mm-hmm. also working in indonesia like mm-hmm. um, in the long run mm-hmm. not because like 10000 people probably tweeted and cursed them in in yeah, twitter <laughs> it it more matters about how it directly affects you and someone who you know very closely Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's me. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Wow, this <laughs> Sonia, do, do you, you have another meeting, right? Or do you would you like to to continue talking? We, we can uh, talk no. like me and Amit can talk for six hours non-stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I actually have to go <laughs> because I do have another meeting. But thank you so much guys. It's been great uh, meeting you. I hope that we can talk um uh, next time. Yes, and of course. Uh, Please um yeah, stay in touch. Yeah. It was lovely to talk to you. And I think I think maybe Ramesh, uh, you could probably uh, see uh, Sonia and Jessica, or either one of them. Uh, definitely, if you can probably do like another one, it's really been interesting. And thank mm-hmm. you, uh, Ramesh, for having me, and thank you for uh, uh, Sonia to be here. It's been lovely chatting to you. Yeah, you okay. guys too. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, have a good day. Yes. Bye. Bye. You too. Bye. Cheers. Thank you.